Now you know I play like a pro in the game. Nah, better yet, a better in the Hall of Fame. I got that medicine, I'm better than all the names. Hey, it's cash money records, man, a lawless game. Put some water on the track, fresh for all this flame. Wear a helmet when you bang it, man, and guard your brain. Cause the flow is spasmodic, what they call insane. They ain't even a whole boy, aim. I get It is DFS MVP week number four alongside our director of DFS, TJ Hernandez. I'm holding Kushner before we get started. That was a little, little Wayne there. A little, little Wayne, right? There's no T in it. Excuse me. A little, little Wayne. Yes. Go DJ from the 2004, the Carter album. Uh, I think it was his third studio album, but... Uh, the first of of the Carter series and the one that uh, I think really started to get him to pop back back in 2004. I was just starting college and it was before Lil Wayne was really uh, like I guess the weirdo that a lot of people think of uh, of him now. But yeah, Lil Wayne uh, Carter on the DFS MVP Spotify playlist. If you want to listen to that song along with all the rest of our intro music, the best intro music in podcasting history. And a wonderful video, too. It was kind of a musical set in a prison, so it seems like there was a lot of thought given into that. Uh, week four plays and playing multiple slates. That's what we're talking about today. So we'll obviously give you our GPP plays, our cash plays for the two big sites, and then playing multiple slates. And I think the 4 o'clock Eastern slate this week is really standing out to me like one that I'm going to want to invest a lot in GPPs. And it's a different type of slate this week, TJ. Before we really get into the meat and potatoes, just a little tease here. There are a lot of big names that are not going to be on the main slate on both sites. Yeah, at the very least, it's going to make uh, it'll make DFS fun this week just because we're not going to see the same exact names on, on the leaderboard in your lineups. Rams, Steelers, Chiefs, all not on the main slate. Uh, all these primetime games have really high or high scoring expectations. All the games have 49 and a half point or higher over-unders. Four teams with implied point totals over 25. So there's still a couple really popular teams, but uh, I, I think it'll make those pieces that fit around those popular players uh, a little more. At least we'll see more variance across lineups, I think, this week. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I really am. I like it when we have a little bit more, uh, a, a few more uh, opportunities where we don't have to stick in. We don't have the values. How about that? We don't sure. have Tyler Boyd at $4,700. Yeah. We don't have that type of thing this week. Uh, it's not too late to get in on our great package here of DFS coverage on 444.com. DFS MVP promo gets you 25% off. Just use the promo code DFS MVP. You can rate and review us. Get a T-shirt. Leave a five-star review. You're automatically entered to win. Who's this week's winner, TJ? This week, win- winner is Andrew Steer. He left us a, uh, a nice review, five stars, titled Great Advice, Making Me Money. He said he's been making money for the last two years just listening to DFS MVP. Uh, so congratulations, Andrew Steer, on a free, very soft, very comfortable, very stylish 444 t-shirt. Shoot me a message on Twitter. I'll get you hooked up with the details. Uh, if you guys want a free T-shirt, do the same as Andrew. Leave five-star rating and review. And while you're on iTunes, do me another favor. Search uh, 444, download the League Sync app. 
It's something that I've been using every week. Uh, basically, I set a, a reminder every week on my phone to uh, to to put in my my waiver wire claims because I always forget. And if if I'm already on mobile, if I'm not at home, uh, the four for four league seek app it basically just lets me look at all my leagues, tells me who I have, which players are available, and shows me who those highest ranked players are based on four for four. So I don't have to scroll through all these tabs and and see who's available here. Where are they in this league? Uh, syncs up with ESPN, Yahoo, CBS, and my fantasy league, and you get a seven-day free trial just from downloading the app. All right, very good, love it. Uh, we move on to the um, new listener segment here, which is where we tell you we're going to give you core plays at each position in the main slate, followed by a theory segment. That's what we do. So, without further ado, let's get right into it. Uh, TJ, the week four plays, all right? We got week four plays. So we got, what, four games or three games? Three games with over-unders of at least 49 and a half. We got four teams with implied totals of at least 25, not on the main slate. So no Gurley this week, no Robert Woods, no Antonio Brown, Juju Connor, Ben Roethlisberger, no Mahomes, Tyreek Hill. I mean, we got monster names off this slate. So it's going to look a bit different this week, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I mean, we still have a couple games that uh, I think people will be focusing on, more, more specifically uh, Atlanta and Cincinnati, as well as New Orleans and New York. But uh, taking a lot of, of the big names uh, off the slate, uh, you could argue that, that it might narrow some decisions, at least in terms of who people are going to pay for up top. But I, I don't see re- really any true free squares this week. Uh, and without those high-powered offenses, uh, people aren't just going to be plugging in somebody from the Steelers or somebody from the Rams or somebody from the Chiefs. Uh, there are a lot more decisions to make, like I said, up top. So I'm excited to see how lineups shake out this week. Uh, people are, are going to see some, some different stuff, I think. Yep, no doubt about it. So uh, we'll start at the quarterback position. And you got a guy in Andy Dalton, you know, Bill Lazer. Yeah. You know, Bill Lazor, he's done a nice job as the offensive coordinator with the Bengals, really getting these guys. Um, ever since late last season and into this year, Andy Dalton has looked good going up against a, a Falcons defense that has been shredded through the air. Talk to me a little bit about Andy Dalton. Now, as we do this show, um, late Wednesday night, headed into Thursday, A.J. Green, he's questionable. You know, he's mm-hmm. got the groin issue. But um, let's assume that he plays. What kind of play is Andy Dalton? I think Andy Dalton is is kind of a good play regardless. Uh, it, it doesn't look like AJ is going to be out, even if AJ's in a decoy role. Uh, this is an Atlanta defense that could be attacked multiple ways. We'll, we'll get into it a little bit when we get into other positions, but they have quite a few injuries, and uh, even healthy, this is a defense that I think we were going to attack through the air for, even if it was just for the simple fact this year that uh, they're going to be involved in a, a lot of high-scoring games, especially indoors in that dome. And Andy Dalton, you get the benefit of a, a, a pretty affordable quarterback, especially on DraftKings where he's only 5400 He's $7,400 on FanDuel. Uh, but, but you get a quarterback that is in an offense that has thrown at a pretty high rate this year. <clears throat> One thing that I like to look at with my offenses is how much are they throwing in a neutral game script when the game's within a single score? Because that tells us, more about a, a team's intentions, not necessarily reacting to if they're up or down by a lot. And Cincinnati's passed at the fifth highest rate in neutral game script. Now they're facing 
an Atlanta defense that ranks 28th in 4 for 4s uh, schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks that's a, a a metric that we just updated this week our signature metric at 4 for 4 and it takes raw fantasy points and adjusts it for the opponent so it it really tells us how strong a defense is uh, without just looking at those raw numbers and i think it's it's more predictive and more valuable especially when we're looking at something like DFS where we're we have to account for every single player in the player pool, not just the ones on our fantasy roster. Uh, and, and the correlation plays have been going off this year. Atlanta's been involved in it multiple times. We saw it last week against the Saints. Uh, both of these defense, uh, top 10 in, in, or bottom 10 in passing yards allowed, both offenses throwing it at a top 10 rate. So I think we could see fireworks in this one. And obviously, if you can get that uh, the cheaper play, that's, that's good value, especially for cash games. Yep, no doubt about it. And uh, again, you got to got a game that's supposed to be a high-scoring affair, mm-hmm. and even with the injuries. Let's say Mixon doesn't play. Giovanni Bernard, he cleaned up last week. Giovanni Bernard can handle the load. Um, as long as it's not for a full season, he can he can take care of, of things over a, a short span. If A.J. Green plays, I, and let's not even say he's a decoy, I mean, he's still going to get his numbers, but Tyler yeah. Boyd has really come along. There's a lot of weapons. There's a lot of things to like in this offense around Andy Dalton. Yeah, and I mean, we can't forget Tyler Eifert. He hasn't popped this year, but they're still using him. He's still uh, a touchdown threat, uh, and and they're using multiple tight ends. So they have uh, a couple tight ends that, that can do damage. I think we saw Zoma uh, catch a touchdown, la- I think it was last week, and they're all pretty decent at it. Uh, they'll, they'll roll out different formations. Like you said, Bill Lazor's been somewhat creative. They're passing at a higher rate, which you always like to see, especially if, if we're going to be rostering, rostering their quarterback. Uh, so a, a lot to like so far. Hey, uh, Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Here's here's an interesting one because he's five point three on DK, sixty nine hundred on FanDuel. So you don't want to say it's a, a free square, but it's going to save you. Uh, I mean eight eight hundred a thousand dollars from Andy Dalton. I mean and, Andy Dalton is only five hundred dollars more, which is why he's such a he's he's a hundred dollars more on DK and five hundred dollars more on FanDuel, which is why. Dalton's such a great value, but some of the other quarterbacks, maybe you're going to save a grand by going with Baker Mayfield. He's at Oakland. Why do you like Baker Mayfield? And is he cash viable? I think especially on DraftKings that a cheaper quarterback is almost always going to be cash viable because those, those high volume uh, players that are going to get you the, the 100 yards at the running back and the wider right receiver position fairly consistently uh, that are going to get a lot of the work. The, the way the scoring is set up on DraftKings, it's so valuable to get to those players that it's okay to pay down a quarterback a lot of the time. And I think this is a pretty good spot to do it. Uh, Mayfield is obviously a bit of an unknown, but that's baked into his price at 5,300 on DraftKings. In the small sample we did see, we saw him throw a 74% completion percentage, 8.7 yards per attempt, over 200 yards in one half. Uh, and if we just look at it from a, from a building our portfolio perspective, he's one of the two quarterbacks that's a top four value on both FanDuel and DraftKings, according to 4 for 4 rankings. Uh, one thing that's really going to hinder a quarterback is putting pressure on him and uh, and obviously facing a good defense. But the Raiders have the third fewest pressures in the league. They have the fewest sacks in the league. And Mayfield is, is going to have time. He's not going to be forced to make those reads really quickly against this defense. He's not going to be uh, – he's not going to have to pull it down and run, even though we didn't even really see him run last week. 
Uh, and Oakland hasn't really been great this this week or this year uh, against quarterbacks. They haven't put up uh, or allowed huge numbers, but when we adjust for strength of schedule, they rank 23rd in fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks through the first three weeks. So uh, especially uh, because of his price, I think it's fine to, to roll out Baker Mayfield even in cash games. All right, very good. Here, here's the guy I want to throw out there at you is Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. And I want to go back to my process for last week. And I was on, there was a couple guys we had discussed during the week that I was on and Matt Ryan was one way to go. And Matt mm-hmm. Ryan, I used him in tournaments more than cash, but cash, I went with Deshaun Watson. And the reason why I went with Watson was just for my own thinking. Listen, if Patrick Mahomes goes off, is there anyone that has a floor that also has a ceiling that may be able to keep up with Patrick Mahomes? Now, I should have known that, hey, it was Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan had the ceiling. But I thought Deshaun Watson was going to be that guy. And he ended up helping in cash. I mean, he hit value and then some. I think it was 26, 27 FanDuel points there. So that was my thought process last week was I need that floor. But also, who's the guy that may be able to pop and, and catch Mahomes? Mahomes had a down week. And what did he, he still did he hit 30 points? <laughs> it, 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 he, he, yeah, went so. he went nuts. He went nuts. Um, the first three weeks or first two weeks and came back down to earth and still had a solid week last week. But this week I'm looking at Deshaun Watson again. Yeah. And uh, I, this is FanDuel now. And I'm not even talking about him on, on DraftKings. I'm looking at Deshaun Watson on FanDuel and I, I keep going back and forth. And here we are early in the week again. Should I go with Watson again? He's probably going to run for about 40 yards, hopefully a little bit more if you're starting him. Um, his price at 7,600, right between Phil Rivers and Russell Wilson. Matt Ryan is just a little bit more, uh, at, at $500 more. And Andy Dalton is just $200 less. He's at the Colts, who have an underrated defense. They've given up some long, sustained drives, but they forced turnovers, got some big sacks when it counts. What do you think about Deshaun Watson, specifically on FanDuel this week? Yeah, so what I'm looking at when... I'm looking at players like this that aren't in the the blow up spot or like maybe the Matt Ryan or Drew Brees. Uh, it's it's exactly what you said relative to, to someone like Matt Ryan. Uh, Watson is five hundred dollars cheaper. He's sandwiched between Ryan and Brees on DraftKings, so that's obviously a value there just from a, a pricing perspective across sites. My concern with Watson is that uh, their offensive line has been atrocious. They they're last. And pressures allowed, um, I, I think, right behind Seattle. The thing Watson's going to do is what you said. He's he's going to give you that that rushing floor. Uh, Indy's defense just they've they've played a little bit better than we've expected. Um, I, I don't know if DeAndre Hopkins is completely healthy. He, he had a foot injury pop up. Uh, I think going into week two, and those things tend to linger. So price so close to Andy Dalton in a game that I, I think Dalton has a pretty high floor. Um, it, it's it's just a matter of what kind of risk you're trying to take. And also the other thinking point for me this week is is really big across all positions is how much exposure do you want to just a couple of games, at least in your cash game lineups? As, as I mentioned up top, I've, a lot of the popular plays, a lot of the plays we're, we're going to mention today are going to center around that Atlanta-Cincinnati game and that New Orleans-New York game. So if you have too many of those players, even though these are great spots, you're you're just naturally 
giving yourself more risk in a single lineup. So you can still get a pretty decent floor with Deshaun Watson if you have something like a, like a, a Julio or a Saquon Barkley or, or Alvin Kamara in, in a bunch of your lineups. Uh, Watson's going give to you, give you a similar floor to similar price to Andy Dalton, and you don't have to change your lineups to, to lock in that floor. Um, and, and in theory, increase the overall floor of your lineup because you're getting out of, of those two game stacks. Uh, so that's just kind of my my thought process when I'm thinking about it from just an overall lineup building perspective, not just looking at these players in a vacuum, which I think is a lot uh, is a mistake that a lot of DFS players make. All right, so let's get on to the running back situation mm-hmm. here. Do I have to get Kamara in again? I mean, it just seems like he is the play every single week, and it's going to be tough to chase down those points if you don't have him in there. Yeah, he's he's seeing slightly less work than than a couple other guys but this offense is is so much more powerful than say a dallas or a new york that it kind of offsets that uh slight drop in touch share that you might get from a uh a barkley or a zeke to camara and their offense is so concentrated the saints offense everything's going through uh, Kamara and Michael Thomas right now that you, it's it's almost tough for the prices to catch up to their production. Uh, they, they pretty much would have to um, put up a goose egg on offense for these players not to meet value. So at least in cash games, I think probably my goal is to see which stud do I want with Kamara. And that's probably uh, the highest, highest floor play. Um, especially we mentioned with a lot of these other players not available because they're not on the main slate uh, that, that we've been going to in the past couple of weeks, uh, the girlies and whatnot. That's pretty much what I want to do this week in cash games is, is get Kamara with at least one or two other studs. Well, Kamara is 9,600 on mm-hmm. DraftKings. The second highest player on DraftKings is his teammate. Michael Thomas is at 9.1 K. Yeah. And then on FanDuel, again, Kamara, number one at 9,100. At the running back position, Melvin Gordon is second at 8,700. And Zeke Elliott down at 8,200. And this could be a week where Zeke Elliott has a nice one. And we'll get into him in just a couple of minutes. But, yeah, Kamara's got to be – he's got to be one of the dominoes to fall in your your lineup. He's got to be put in there. So the other side of the thing is Saquon Barkley. And he's second in touches, and he is doing a ton of damage in the in the passing game as well. And I don't know if they're going to be playing from behind, but Vegas seems to think that the Giants are going to be playing from behind in this game. Saquon Barkley, you said you wanted that other guy, that other big-time running back. Is it Barkley? Is it Zeke? Is it Melvin Gordon? How much do you love Barkley this week? I, I like Barkley and Elliott uh, pretty similarly. Because you're you're going down pretty significantly significantly uh, in price from Camara, but you're getting a similar workload both in in touches and in touch share. Uh, Barkley is uh, second in the league in team touches. He's behind only Camara in running back targets, and obviously we think this is probably going to be a pretty high scoring game. New Orleans is a a defense that's been very vulnerable through the air and with the Giants being the underdog even if they're they don't fall behind big I don't think this is a situation where uh the Giants are are going to try to run and slow it down they're going to have to keep up with New Orleans offense and and Barkley's target share and and usage in the passing game gives him a a slightly higher floor than Zeke uh 
uh, regardless of the platform you're playing on. And uh, you can argue that Zeke does see all of the backfield work in Dallas, but that that offense is just a, a little too stagnant, I think, to to argue that just because their their shares are so similar um, and and. Saquon's so much more dynamic in the passing game that I think you have to give a slight nod to Saquon, at least in cash games. Okay, very good. So uh, we'll wrap up the running back position here with Gio Bernard. And Gio crushed last week. He's going up against an Atlanta defense. And, and maybe for, for the people that are just listening for the first time that aren't as familiar with 4 for 4 AFPA and adjusted fantasy points against it's something that I found on the site a few years ago. It's really helpful. Now here we are in week four. I guess we got a body of work. Can you talk about AFPA real quick, adjusted fantasy points against, and how we can apply it to DFS? Yeah, the reason we want to be looking at this is because it it, it gives us a uh, a metric that adjusts for an opponent. And what the general public tends to do is they look at matchups, but they look at it from a, a raw fantasy point perspective. And if you go on a site like DraftKings, you'll look at the player pool and you'll see uh, whatever running back you're targeting. Say you are targeting here, Giovanni Bernard, and they're playing the Falcons. The Falcons might be really bad against running backs from a raw perspective. And you'll, you'll see that green number that indicates a, a really good matchup. But, uh, we adjust for that. So if a defense has seen Kamara, Zeke, Saquon in, in three of five weeks, they're going to have a, a a lot of fantasy points allowed. But if it's a lot less than those players' averages or than, th- than those players have scored against other teams, then they're going to get knocked up in the rankings, especially if they've done good against other teams. So we're able to leverage that matchup in our DFS player pools by selecting players that actually have good matchups, not just good matchups on the surface. All right. So that's, you know, the core plays right now, Kamara, Barkley, Bernard, Zeke, and let's get into Bernard now because the, the Falcons have really been torn up uh, trying to stop the run. We saw what the we saw what the saints did to him last week. I mean, that's, you know, that's a, on a different level, but again, the Cincinnati offense has been a, I wouldn't call them a juggernaut, but they've been a, a top, you know, a top third offense in the NFL since the end of last year because Bill Lazor in this offense, they've, they've caught a hold. And if Joe Mixon isn't playing this week, you go right back to Gio Bernard. He's still pretty affordable on, on both sides. We saw price bump a little bit. Uh, him and Tevin Coleman have kind of been uh, neck and neck and their, their prices rising with the starter out. Uh, Geo's currently 6,300 on DraftKings, $6,400 on FanDuel. The Falcons rank 27th in running back schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. But the big thing here is that the Falcons are without Keanu Neal, without Deion Jones, and now they've allowed the most receptions to running backs, the second most receiving yards to opposing running backs. And we know Gio is a, is a decent or decent to good pass catcher. At the very least, he's going to get usage in the passing game. And then with mixing out last week, handled 100% of the running back touches. Uh, so I, I don't see a situation where we don't have a free square this week at, at, at running back, or at least not uh, a cheap guy that looks to be extremely reliable. You need to find value somewhere, and we're looking at those dollar per touches. That's what I'm looking at a lot. Geo 
has he really pops compared to other players right now. Uh, still has 20 touch upside in this game, even if uh, Cincinnati does fall behind. Kamara had, what, 20 targets last week against <laughs> them? And again, I, I don't think that's going to happen with Gio uh, because that's just not what this offense is. But easily concede 9 to 10 targets in this game, especially if they fall behind. So his floor is really high here. He caught 15 of 20 targets last week, Kamara did. It's insane. Well, you know, the other thing when we talk about Kamara, we didn't even mention that next week uh, Mark Ingram's back. Yeah. And this is the, this Saints team has had a problem running between the tackles. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, Kamara, as far as the carries, the, the number of carries is going to go down, but maybe he gets an, another little bump in the passing game on top of that. I mean, Ingram could catch passes too, but... Um, I'm really fascinated to see how much better the Saints offense is once Ingram comes back. And it'll be really fun to see how DFS owners react to him coming back, to see what happens to ownership percentage. And uh, I'm looking ahead, I think a big edge is going to be who is the one that could figure out how owners are going to react to that news. Hmm. Well, we don't got to worry about that this week. Let's get to the wide receiver. So, um, last week seemed like a week because of all the free squares of running back. You could pay down at running back, get get Kamara in there, figure out a, another way in FanDuel to pick up a couple running backs. On DraftKings, get Kamara in there. You could save a little at running back and pay up at wide receiver. And I feel like it's a complete shift, a 180 this week, where you're going to be paying up at running back. And there are some great values at wide receiver. And let's start with Sterling Shepard. I think that his ownership is going to be through the roof. He's 4.9K on DK, 6,200 on FanDuel. Giants going up against New Orleans. Um, what is it? Patrick Robinson just went down for the year. Mm-hmm. You've got Evan Ingram out two to four weeks. The stars are aligning right now for Sterling Shepard to clean up and maybe get double-digit targets. Yeah, there aren't really that many uh, other players or really any other player you could pay this week, That especially on DraftKings, that's sub-5K that you can you can pencil in for a decent amount of volume. Uh, with, with Evan Ingram out, that's going to lead to a really concentrated passing game in, in New York. Uh, yes, he still has to share targets with uh, Odell and Saquon Barkley, but I don't know that many other players see targets outside of these three players. Uh, we, we saw it last week with Evan Ingram out for just a portion of the game. Shepard saw 24% target share. He's seen seven targets in two of three games this year. Seven's kind of that that arbitrary cutoff where it's a, it's a decent enough floor. Uh, anything below that, you start getting a little nervous about playing players in cash. But Sterling Shepard lines up in the slot, so that's uh, those are reliable targets. They're shorter targets, usually a higher catch rate, and New Orleans has been bad overall against the pass, uh, but they've notably given up the eighth most yards per attempt uh, to slot wide receivers per Sports Info Solutions, and that's where Shepard's mostly going to be. So that that bodes well for Shepard. Again, 4,900 DraftKings, 6,200 on FanDuel, uh, in a game that can be pretty high scoring. And you don't need to, at least in cash games, I don't think you need to necessarily worry about uh, a player being super popular just because uh, you're getting such a big discount on him. All right, let's move on to Allen Robinson. Going back to the well on him, Chicago taking on Tampa Bay at home. Robinson's 5.9K on DK, 6,500 on FanDuel, and Mitch Trubisky just loves throwing Robinson the ball. So, mm-hmm. listen, you can't guarantee production. You can't guarantee touchdowns. But 
if there's a pattern there and some and a quarterback is just singling out a single receiver, then you want some shares of him. And Allen Robinson for the second straight week, maybe the third straight week, is shaping up to be a pretty good value. Yeah, and and you you talked about when we got into receivers that you're you're not sure if you're going to be able to uh, what what the makeup's going to be at, at wide receiver, and I think probably the decision point is going to be: Do I want Camara and one stud, or do I want two running backs that are slightly not Camara, but then I could get another stud receiver. Either way, I, you're going to need at least two of these value receivers, and Robinson pops as, as one of the most obvious ones, especially on DraftKings 5,900. 6,500 on FanDuel, a little bit pricier, but still very affordable uh, against a Tampa Bay defense that ranks, uh, they, they've allowed the fourth most yards to opposing wide receivers. And again, I talk that, that consistent volume is so important in cash games. Robinson's 27% target shares uh, is very high. That's like elite level when all, when all starts to settle anything between 27 and 30% is usually around where uh, the league leaders tend to settle. He's one of 19 players with at least seven targets in every game. And each week, Josh Hermsmeyer at four for four. He he writes an article called the Air Yards um, by Low Model, and what it does is it combines targets and air yards and and produces a uh, expected fantasy point for each player, and then compares that to their actual fantasy points. And it's a number that tends to regress fairly quickly. Uh, we saw it last week with Robert Woods, a player that Josh was really expecting to pop, and he likes Allen Robinson a lot to pop this week, and I have to agree with him. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Hermsmeyer kind of sets the, the tone for the week because his article came out, and all of a sudden, about 24 hours later, there's a whole bunch of other analysts in the business. <laughs> oh, Robert Woods is going to break out this week. It's ha- yeah. I think that's kind of cool, personally, because Again, I go it's back. It's nice to have them on our team. Yeah, I just go back to it. People in the industry, they read four for four. They listen. They listen yeah. to this. They listen to this and four for four, and they don't tell anybody else about it. So we're telling you. Anyways, back to this here. Allen Robinson. So you like Robinson this week. This is somebody you're going to want to uh, to target. And let's move right along to my guy, Kenny Galladay, who Babytron. Some of them call you Babytron. Some of them call him just Kenny Galladay. He's going up against uh, a Dallas secondary, which has been pretty good. But when you look at the numbers here, he's been targeted 9.3 times per game. He's making 6.3 catches per game, 85.3 yards per game. And he scored a couple of touchdowns as well. Kenny Galladay, what a discount on FanDuel at 5.8K. Are you kidding me? Kenny Galladay, got to be on the radar. Yeah, I I think the... The hype is building for Galladay, and I'm actually, uh, it's actually building a little too much for me just because I like being contrarian. But one of the one of the best ways to find value is to look for players that have been producing whose price isn't properly adjusted because they played on Monday night. And that's exactly what happened with Galladay on FanDuel. Uh, been very consistent, target volume very high. I think this is one of, I think this is one of two offenses that can support three top 24 wide receivers and that's something that's very hard and very rare to uh very rare uh but the the volume and and the relatively even target share suggests that that could happen with this team and 
Galladay is priced all the way down as a wide receiver 33 on FanDuel compared to the wide receiver uh, 13 on DraftKings. So for that reason alone, I just wanted to point out uh, Galladay. There aren't a lot of indicators that this is going to be a high-scoring game, but we know that Detroit is is a pass-first offense, uh, and Dallas defense is, has played decent. But when you get that kind of, of value uh, because of a pricing error, you have to note it. All right, and then... The other guy I want to talk about is um, a, a guy that was been a free square all season long, and he's mm-hmm. not anymore. And Tyler Boyd, who is facing again Atlanta, the secondary is has been shredded. You've got Boyd, who has had 16 targets and 12 catches over the last two weeks. He has 91 yards and 132 yards over the last two weeks. He scored in each of the last two weeks. And I, I tell you, plugging him in cash last week, I was like, all right, you know, if, if he hits value, great. You know, 10, 11 points. It, he went off. I mean, he, he went absolutely bananas. 132 and a touchdown. So is Tyler Boyd cash worthy this week? Tyler Boyd's absolutely cash worthy, especially if age. I think no matter what, you have to think that Boyd's going to have a little uptick in volume in the short term because even if AJ plays lower body injuries for uh, wide receivers just are generally pretty detrimental to value. Uh, and we've already seen Boyd again. I go back to that seven target mark, uh, seven targets in back to back weeks has been very efficient with those targets in an offense that's been throwing it at a pretty high clip uh, and still priced below $5,000 on DraftKings. We, we talked about Atlanta's woes, in the secondary, uh, again, you could pretty much attack them however you want right now. The the question mark with Boyd as a as a cash game option is going to be what does the rest of your team look like? Kind of back to that same point, a lot is going to be concentrated around um, around this game. I already talked about Andy Dalton. I already talked about Giovanni Bernard. So how risk averse are you, and and how many players uh, from a single team or from a single game are you willing to take on in a cash lineup? All right, so there you go with our uh, core plays at wide receiver. Let's move on to tight end now. This will be interesting. I want to start with the big guy, Zach Ertz, because last week it was Dallas Goddard that got mm-hmm. all the points, all the fantasy points. Yep. And got, listen, they drafted Goddard. He's a nice play, but the number one target for Carson Wentz is and will continue to be, even if all of a sudden Jeffrey comes back this week, is and will continue to be Zach Ertz. Um if he's not the number two overall fantasy option in out there, he's the number three overall fantasy option. Kelsey isn't even on the slate this week. So um, Ertz was targeted 10 times last week. He made five catches for 73 yards. He didn't find pay dirt, but I know you don't like paying up for tight end in, in cash games, but if there was a guy to do it on this slate, it's Zach Ertz. Yeah. It's, it's going to be really hard to get to him. If you're, if you're paying up for, the more reliable positions, but I wanted to mention him just for exactly the reasons that you brought up, uh, relatively affordable at 6,200 on DraftKings, $7,000 on FanDuel uh, in an offense that I think is probably just going to be really ignored this week. Um, because Wentz came back and put up a, a fairly mediocre line. I think it was like 255, one, one only rushed for 10 yards, but, uh, Wentz is, is mobile. He's going to, to spark this offense. We, we've seen him be very efficient throwing the ball. And like you said, uh, Dallas Goder had the, 
the the uh, did he? I think he scored last week. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, but Ertz led the team in targets. He was the only player with double digit targets, and there are quite a few players popping up uh, as I go through the week. That through three weeks rank very high in in target share and total targets, and in a very short amount of time, whether it's this week or or in week five. These players are going to pop, and they're going to be low owned because because uh, fantasy owners are, are chasing points and not chasing volume. And I think Zach Ertz is the perfect example of this. I, I think he's seen at least eight targets in every game. I think saw thirteen in week one. So it, it doesn't really matter who's in there. Zach Ertz is going to be the target monster in this offense. And I think just against against the Titans, whose defense is good, but whose offense is so bad that I, that against this really good Philly uh, defense, the Eagles are going to find themselves in, in more um, more scoring situations than expected. If, if there's an offense that I, I like to go way over their projected total this week, it's probably Philly. If there's an offense that I think can catapult up into the other team's uh, upper echelon of, of projected points, I think it's Philly. And, and they're not going to be a popular play across the board. You got to have some exposure to Wentz until if either he pops off this week or maybe it's next week. I had a little bit last week. It's coming. I mean, it's going to happen. And week one, he didn't look that sharp, but don't, let's not forget he was the fantasy MVP for a big chunk of last year before going down with the injury. And one last thing on Goddard versus Ertz. Ertz was on the field for eighty-one out of eighty-two snaps. Mm-hmm. All right, Goddard was I think about two-thirds of the snaps last week. He did catch all seven of his targets for 73 yards and a touchdown, but I go back to it. TJ mentioned it. It's Ertz. It's Ertz. Don't get sucked into Goddard. Um, yeah, and we want yeah. we want good game script for these offenses. Three of the biggest favorites aren't on the main slate, so even though a four-point favorite isn't, it doesn't really pop. Um, three of those biggest favorites aren't even on the slate, so they're still up there relative to the other teams, and, and I don't ignore Philly this week. All right, so you put Eric Ebron on the core place too, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm cringing right now. I, <laughs> it, it's just a personal thing. Eric Ebron, the stars aligned from last week, and I'm saying to myself, if I if I put Eric Ebron in there, something is going to happen where he comes, he does nothing, and I'm going to be kicking myself for getting. It's going to be like Lucy setting the ball down for Charlie Brown, and you miss it again. Just stay away from Ebron. Well, he dropped touchdown pass. He left a lot mm-hmm. on the table last week. But he is mentioned by TJ Hernandez, 3.6K on DK, 5.5 on FanDuel. Why do you like Eric Ebron? Because of volume. Uh, it's it's the same thing that I talked about with Ertz, and obviously it's to a lesser degree because Ertz has proven to be a, a great player. But this is why DFS is great because we have these markers and we have these indicators of where fantasy points come from and how ownership shifts and, and how things tend to regress. But uh, no matter how many times we talk about it or write about it, we see the same thing over and over. A, a popular play uh, doesn't perform well, and even if they do get the volume that we expected, their ownership goes down drastically because they disappointed owners, and that's what we're going to see with Ebron again this week. He's uh, still very cheap because of that underperformance, which we should see as a positive. We can still afford him at $3,600 on DraftKings, at $5,500 on FanDuel. Uh, You're you're getting 11 targets, 28% target share without Jack Doyle for basically basement price, and you're, you're not doing it 
on a running back that burns you or a quarterback that burns you, which is a little bit more predictable, you're you're still getting high volume at a cheap price of the most volatile skill position in fantasy football. We should expect this from our tight ends. Our tight ends, their their scoring is very volatile. Their floor is basically zero, no matter who your tight end is. And that's what we got from Ebron last week. We got his. We basically got his his floor projection based on his volume. Uh, you got to go right back to it. Um, Houston ranks 22nd against tight ends and adjusted fantasy points allowed. They're they're last in in quarterback pressures and Andrew Luck isn't throwing deep. I, I think he has one of the lowest average depths of targets uh, in the league and and that's going to favor tight ends, not T.Y. Hilton. Yep, there's other guys that are right around him too. Trey Burton at 5600. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Jared Cook. I think if you drop down a little bit, he's actually going to save you some money. 5400. Mm-hmm. Ebron at 5500. O.J. Howard at 5.6k. So. Um, there's that whole tier there, and if you're looking for the guy that's getting the most looks, it's going to be Eric Ebron. Now, he missed practice on Wednesday with a shoulder, mm-hmm. but um, just stay tuned with that as the week goes on. It doesn't look like right now that's going to keep him out of the game. So we move on to the defenses, and uh, you know I think the way Buffalo played against the Vikings, I bet you there's a lot of people that think that they can go and do it again. So <laughs> I think you're going to want to. <laughs> You're going to hope that people believe that and and go against Buffalo this week. And, and there's a couple other plays as well. But where do you want to start? You want to start with the Packers? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that I'm going to find myself paying up for uh, defense much, especially on DraftKings. It's pretty tough to do. The, those expensive defenses are uh, really put a hindrance on the floor of your, your other uh, lineups. Like you said, People are there. There's going to be if that Buffalo game didn't happen last week, Packers ownership would probably be like near 20 percent. It's probably going to be a little bit lower than that. Uh, but if you are looking at those huge favorites on the slate, the the Jaguars, the Chargers, uh, the Packers, at least on DraftKings, you're getting a, a pretty significant discount on the Packers at thirty five hundred dollars. So they're still kind of affordable on FanDuel. The Packers are very affordable. Uh, forty three hundred dollars. They actually project as our top value, and uh, the, they're a, a little bit cheaper than the Chargers, who are big favorites um, at forty four hundred. Uh, but then. Jaguars up there at 5200 uh you're getting a pretty big discount on the Packers there so of all those big favorites they're they're the most affordable and they're still facing the worst offense regardless of what happened last week Buffalo still has a horrible offensive line they still have a rookie quarterback that a lot of people don't think is very good and I have to agree with them they just don't have a lot of weapons looks like Shady's probably going to be out so uh I mean still if you can't afford it uh, fire up the Packers in tournaments, definitely mix in some Packers because paying up for defense is, is less detrimental in tournaments where you're really just looking for uh, a leverage in unique lineups. All right, and then on the other side, Fandle, the Indianapolis Colts are $3,600, and they're basically minimum on draft. Was it 2200 he had? Um, yep. The Colts so far have racked up 10 sacks through three games. They got a couple interceptions, the fumble recoveries too. You're really looking for sacks, though, is as the baseline when you're trying to build um, a cash lineup for defenses and then, of course, take salary into it and everything else. But how about the Colts going up against a quarterback, Deshaun Watson? Again, I like him in cash, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. The only thing I will say about the Colts, they've been a bend-don't-break to this point. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if they're going to break soon, but I get the process here with the Colts in week number four. 
The Colts are 2200 on DraftKings and 3600 on FanDuel. And at that depressed salary, it makes them a, a top three value on both sides, according to 4 for 4 projections. Uh, if we adjust for strength of schedule, Houston ranks 24th in fantasy points allowed to opposing defenses. Their offensive line has allowed the highest pressure rate, uh, which is something that I mentioned when you asked me about Watson, that that's one of the, the concerns of this offense as a whole is just defensive lines have been able to get through very easily. And the Colts are a defense that rank in the top third of the league in total pressures so far. So when we combine those two things with Watson's propensity to throw interceptions, then you, you have a pretty good formula for uh, fantasy points. And, and uh, Indy is a slight home favorite, but just the fact that you're getting such a big discount on a favorite uh, with, with some pretty good indicators of fantasy scoring, you it's, it's a situation I almost always take because like tight end defense is just – such a high variable scoring position that you you don't necessarily have to or even want to pay up. Um, obviously, Vikings isn't going to happen every week, but a lot of people paid up for the Vikings and that did not go well. So no, it did not. Yeah, and even if <laughs> even if the Vikings, the, here's the thing about defense. Even if you paid up for the Vikings last week, if they only gave up seven points but only got one or two sacks and and didn't get a turnover then you paid a, a pretty high salary for a defense that you almost needed a touchdown or a shut uh, or a shutout out of to to pay off their value just because there aren't a lot of points to be had if your defense isn't getting a ton of sacks that's why we're looking at these pressures so much you play survivor pools yes i love survivor pools 70% of the competition got eliminated last week with minnesota it was so I was beautiful one, i was one of the 70 really yeah Ah, that made me nice and happy. I did sweat I, it out with the Eagles, but... Uh, I, I went against my better game theory instincts, too. Yeah? Uh, yeah, because, um, I mean, just, just taking the most popular play is, is usually pretty bad form in Survivors. Yes. Uh, yes, it is. But, I'd love to know. do a Survivor podcast sometime, but this is our DFS MVP, so <laughs> let me just stick to this before I go completely off a of script. We'll get to our game theory segment in just a couple of minutes, or probably less than a couple of minutes, but... Uh, 4 for 4 has partnered up with DraftKings to bring you any of our memberships for free. All you got to do is go to 4for4.com backslash DraftKings and follow the instructions. You get full access to our accurate rankings, our most accurate rankings. You get the lineup generator, optimal lineups, premium articles, including TJ's, all the other great features in our plan, all for 5 bucks, which you can then enter into contests and potentially win more. Super excited to bring you this deal. If you want access right away, go to 444.com backslash DraftKings and follow the instructions. Game theory segment. Here we go. Playing multiple slates. All right. Um, something, and again, I'm going to draw back on my own previous experience. First time I'm playing, um, what was it, like Star Street? And then even my first couple of years, if I had a bad 1 o'clock slate, all of a sudden, I'm just trying to chase the money. So this is horrible <laughs> bankroll, and I'm throwing in tournament lineups into the second slate of games, and that is, it's not a good idea. Don't do it. Don't chase the money. But you know what? Playing multiple slates can also be pretty lucrative. I think it's, it's, it'll be a lot of fun this week, too, because a lot of the studs are not on the main slate. So let's talk about this. Uh, TJ, why do you play multiple slates? I, I play multiple slates for for lots of reasons. The main one being that 
playing multiple slates naturally lowers my variance without forcing hedges. Uh, and what I mean by forcing a hedge is imagine that you only have one slate to choose from uh, in DFS and you're deciding if you want to make you're just deciding how many lineups you want to make. Let's assume head-to-head games. Uh, you're, you're playing high-volume head-to-heads. You're trying to decide, do I make do I make one or two lineups I can't choose between uh, Todd Gurley and Alvin Kamara? What do I do? Because I want to recognize my uh, true ROI, I, I want a I want my lineup to have exposure to many as many other lineups as possible. So I, I prefer to play one lineup. Uh, and when I talk about a hedge, what I mean is some some people will be slightly uncomfortable with doing that because it is very high variance, and they will swap out one or two players because they want to they want to hedge their bets. They don't want to take the risk of of having a a negative ninety uh, percent week, which all of us have had before. But the reason you can play multiple slates is because you can have a natural hedge without forcing what you think is a suboptimal lineup because if you're playing whether it be uh different slates on the same day or slates across multiple days you're there's naturally going to be players and this is a perfect week for it because we have all of these huge names big games that aren't on the main slate it's going to be optimal on those bigger slates or on the full multi-day slates to have some players that aren't on the main slate on the main slate, obviously you can't have exposure to them. So whatever you think the optimal lineup is, now you have, if you're, say you're playing two slates on, on two different sites, now you have four very unique lineups, but you're still putting out what you think is the most optimal lineup. So for your week, you have a natural hedge, but you're not forcing suboptimal lineups. That's the main reason that I like to play multiple slates. See, I just like, I just like more action. So I like was, action too, <laughs> but there, there's a there there's secondary reasons too. That's my main reason. What that you like action or your main I, reason is because you want to actually make money and you're you're smart with it. Well, I want to I want to lower my variance. I only have the it DFS is a partial source of income for me, but it's not my main source of income. And I only get 17 weeks to do this. So if I only play 17 lineups, there's a really good chance, even if you're really good, that you're gonna you can have a really bad year. So just by playing two different sites and at least two different slates on each site, it really limits the variance that you can experience throughout a single NFL season. All right. So let's go through this. Um, you got bookmarked here. Thursday ownership. Use yeah. It to lock in profit. What's your thought process there? So there, there's a couple of, there's a couple of things here. Uh, another outside of just variance in your own lineups, playing multiple slates is, is going to, do two other things. You're going to get a variance uh, in in your opponents that you face because obviously not everybody is playing every slate and not everybody is playing multiple slates. So even if you're in a situation where, say you're you're playing uh, say you're playing Sunday to Monday and everybody on Sunday night football, everybody on Monday night football is trash and you don't want any exposure to them. So your optimal lineup is still exactly the same on the Sunday to Monday slate as it is on the main slate. Just by playing those two different slates, you're going to end up facing lineups that you wouldn't otherwise face. So that alone is going to, to minimize your variance a little bit. Uh, you're also going to get a variance in ownership across players that you may or may not have uh, have exposure to yourself. And that's important because, one, it's just going to show 
how bad uh, of mistakes other people are making, and that's going to uh, theoretically increase your ROI. And the most obvious reason for that is the Thursday ownership, because when whether it be a, a showdown or uh, well, showdown's different because it's only one game, but whether it be a, a just a two two day slate or a Thursday to Monday slate, what happens on these Thursday games, and it still happens to this day, is People want to see their players play. The casual players want to see their players play. So before lock, regardless of the size of the slate, we'll see players go in there and lock in as many Thursday players as possible because they want to see their guys on prime time. And even if it's only a, a very small uh, percentage of the field, if you're in a 100-man double up or something like that and and two people do it, all of a sudden you're playing, you're, you only have to beat 98 people instead of 100. And and if that if you do that enough and play those slates enough that those small percentages add up over time and if it even if that's only the difference in you cashing one or two times throughout the year that's money that you wouldn't have made otherwise uh and then there's just more players in in similar price ranges so if if todd Gurley is playing sunday night football his ownership is probably going to cannibalize alvin Kamara's on that slate and on the main slate where Gurley isn't available Camaro uh, is going to be owned higher because Gurley isn't available on that slate. So you get to either play or fade these players specifically based on expected ownership just by looking at prices. So you're, you're even though Alvin Kamara is the same player in the same situation at the same price point, he might have wildly different ownership percentages in an early only slate or a main slate compared to a, a Sunday to Monday slate. And having the skill level and knowledge to adjust for those things is just another level of uh, of potential ROI that you might not get from just being able to build a good lineup. Yeah, this is a few years ago. I was doing a show on the Sirius XM Fantasy Channel, and I asked a lot of people. We did a whole show, and there was a good hour we spent. Like, why are you? Why do you go out and just load your lineups on, th- on the Thursday to Monday slate? Why would you load your lineup up mm-hmm. the Thursday? And I swear to God, handful of guys called in and said they just like seeing their name at the top of the leaderboard. Yep. It's crazy because I mean, if hitting me after one day, because you don't win anything. Yeah. But think about if, if all those guys are, are, are playing five dollars um, and, and to them, it's just like, hey, maybe that'll stay. And, and I'm at first I'm in first place now, but I only played five dollars this week. I don't care. But if there's a hundred of those guys or five hundred of those guys and you're playing high volume every week, that's free five dollars, free five dollars, free five dollars. You might not get it that week, but that's a free five dollars in the player pool every week. It's basically overlay. <laughs> that just blew my mind that people just want to see their names at the top it's of incredible. the board after one day. It's incredible. It makes no sense, uh, especially in the Thursday to Monday. So um, also leading into a big tournament, play the one o'clock to get players that can hurt you. What does that mean? Yeah. So it, it's, it's basically the opposite of what you said you were doing. You said you're playing small slates to chase your losses, right? But the the time used to, to used to used to yeah, you, that you that's what I said you were doing. Yeah, I was doing that. Yeah, now you got four for four. Uh, <laughs> you're right. Right around five years ago, when I started doing five for four, I was going, "Wow, that's a really stupid strategy." So it, it's it's ironic though because that's how a lot of people think. But actually, the the time to play these small slates if you weren't planning on it because that's what the chasing your losses part is right you you weren't planning on playing it if if you were planning on playing it you can uh, fit it into your bankroll strategy and do it strategically but even if you weren't uh you can use these smaller slates strategically 
it's kind of akin to the 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 sports better that uh, has a big parlay going, and they only need one more game to hit. What do you do in that situation? You got to bet the other side to lock in some profit, right? Uh-huh. So if you are say you're you're in a, a big GPP and and it's uh it's, say it's the main slate. Uh, 10 games early, three games late, but you only have, uh, I don't know, you only have one wide receiver left to go after the 10 a.m. slate. Well, all of a sudden you're in this situation where even if you're in the lead, you are in a very high variance scenario if that player doesn't perform, right? Say you're in first place, but you have a very highly owned Julio Jones. You don't, you're not going to swap Julio because you're in the lead, but if Julio is a dud, a lot of players can catch you and you should, you could all of a sudden be the difference between a, a, a six-digit payday and maybe just like a thousand dollars or something so now you could you can build some lineups strategically using only the small slate where you put some stuff together that fades julio so if that does happen at least you lock in a little bit more profit than if things just go completely off the rails all right so there's another there's another level to this let's talk about the actual slates mm-hmm. that you're playing i mean yeah you know if let's say you're playing one o'clock this week the majority of the games are one o'clock then you play cash games on one o'clock that's fine but if you're playing that four o'clock slate where there's three games, mm-hmm. then maybe you should be leaning toward tournaments. Yeah. So the the way I like to think about it is um, the larger the uh, field or the larger the um, the slate, the more I'm going to lean towards cash. Um, and then the smaller the 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 slate, say about four or five games, I'm going to reserve those for GPPs. I, I think the sweet spot. For, for a minimum of games to play is somewhere probably between uh, six and eight. And the reason for that is, at least in, in my bankroll strategy, is like I said, the reason I'm doing this is because I'm getting a, a natural um, lineup variation and, and lowering my week-to-week variance. So if I then go play cash games on a, on a three-game slate... That's just that's just a high variance approach to playing because you're gonna have a ton of lineup overlap because there just aren't that many options. People are gonna have a lot of very similar uh, lineups. So again, I like to play at least two slates on both Fanduel and DraftKings for my cash games, and hopefully, hopefully, slates that have uh, at least six games. So if, even if I don't want to play multi day, at the very least, I'm playing the Sunday main as well as the Sunday. Uh, 1 p.m. for people that live on the wrong coast, 10 a.m. for the right coast. What about in the in the mountain? mountain <laughs> oh, that, that's so not weird. even a real time zone. I know, man. It's so weird. It's just going to be completely bizarre. Like Nobody talks about the mountain time zone because there's like eight towns in that, the whole time zone. Um, we love you. We love you, everyone between the coasts. Yeah. We, <laughs> um, multi-day versus single-day. Got that split across sites. So the building for small slates. Mm-hmm. This is the interesting one. Yeah. So... <sighs> Tell me everything I need to know about building for small slates. Uh, In short, throw projections out the window. Uh, What we're really looking to do here is uh, not only play low on plays, but but oftentimes fading the correct high on play. Uh, There's going to be oftentimes where... Uh, maybe there's only two viable running backs on, on say, a four-game slate or something like that or, or two obvious volume running backs. Probably that's not the play. One of the the most exploitable uh, tendencies in these smaller slates is um, the variance in these ownership tendencies that you'll see on these small slates that you're you're never going to see on a full slate. The most obvious of those being high ownership on, on quarterbacks or tight ends. So, 
on a on the main slate in the the millionaire, you're almost never going to see a quarterback owned uh, more than twenty percent. Um, obviously. N- nowhere close to something like 40 or 50 percent that you'll see from wide receivers and that's because you only have one roster spot for them and there's just a lot of viable options on a slate where there's only say three or four games you'll often see a quarterback that is maybe 50 percent owned and even though we know about correlation plays sometimes their opponent will be sub 10 percent owned in a tournament so that's where we have to understand these different ownership tendencies and that's why building these lineups are very different like you're you're never going to be overweight on a 70 percent quarterback in a four field gpp that's you're basically just throwing all your money on one team Instead, you could very easily be overweight on, I don't know, like a, a Joe Flacco, that which looks like he's on bad spot against the Steelers. But if it's a primetime slate with two games, it might be a really good idea to have Joe Flacco in 15% of your lineups because only 5% of the field is going to roster him. Uh, similarly, you can be more aggressive in those team and game stack. It's, we talked about the onslaughts last week. This is, uh, that's, a, that's a perfect uh, primer to this if you, if you aren't familiar with onslaughts. In these small slates, you can be very aggressive with these game and team stacks because even more so than in a large field, if one team goes off, if you have five of their players, you're, you're probably doing really well on that slate. And again, there just aren't that many options. And uh, it, it's just going to lead to lineups that you haven't been used to making before and and a final um uh note to that lineups that you aren't used to making is a lot of times on these small slates if you fade one popular player you might end up leaving a lot of salary on the table and that's okay in these small slates oftentimes people win by leaving one thousand dollars or more on the table gosh and it's so tough to do but it is because so, especially if you only play main but but you just have to think about it from uh, from a game theory perspective if if there's only two eight thousand dollar players on the slate, and you take them off, and you're never gonna you're never gonna fill up your strategy, you're just gonna force yourself into suboptimal game theory by not having uh, the correct uh, proportion of uh, of exposure to that player because you want to just for the simple reason that you want to fill up your salary. You just don't need to do that if there's only three games. All right, so let's talk about the four o'clock slate only then, because it. it... There's a, one game that really stands out. There's four games. I thought it was there's four games. One game really stands out. Yeah. The the Saints at the Giants. So that's going to be a high oak game. Mm-hmm. Then you got the the Niners visiting the Chargers, mm-hmm. uh, Cleveland at Oakland, and Seattle, Arizona. So t- talk to me about this slate in particular. And I want to start with David Johnson, who at least found the end zone. I'm Every week it's it's more affirmed to me that Steve Wilkes has no idea what he's doing <laughs> in Arizona. He is yeah. a horrible head coach, um, and usually I don't like to rush to judgment, but to have Edmonds on the field at crunch time, what he did with Rosen bring him in in the final drive of the game, it did, nothing that he does makes sense. And having David Johnson run the ball nine times and having Edmonds in in crunch time, that, that to me really blew my mind. That being said, Johnson's still a talent – what do you think of him this week? He's still a talent, and he's still seen a, a, a significant portion of the running back work. And this is what I talked about when you talked about how do you build small slates. Um, you you kind of throw projections out the window, and you focus on, on leverage. And if we look at, at the slate, you just have to think about it differently. What's most likely to happen? Most likely, 
the two running backs in the Saints and and the Giants game are going to be ridiculously high owned, and to a slightly lesser extent, uh, Melvin Gordon is going to be pretty high owned because the Chargers are huge favorites over the 49ers. And even though this might seem sneaky on a small slate, NFL players and DFS are probably savvy enough that they're going to realize that Eckler has some upside and that Breda has some upside because they're going to be behind because Eckler is already getting uh, shares even without the Chargers blowing out teams and they're in a blowout scenario here. Breda obviously in a, in a pass catching role with the Niners playing from behind. So on, on a big slate, those might be sneaky plays. On a small slate, I, I don't think those are going to be sneaky plays. So I think right there we have four running backs that are probably going to dominate ownership. And then that just makes David Johnson a, a ridiculous leverage play because um, he's he's among the most expensive running backs, but he's a pretty big discount from the most expensive running backs. And basically, if you play him over any of the other big three guys, you're you're that's a huge leverage play. No one is. It's not a price pivot because he's a little bit cheaper, um, but very few owners are going to to want to pair him up especially if they use him as their their sole um running expensive running back with with another affordable uh running back so you're just going to get a really unique lineup on a very short slate and that's that's really what we're looking for even if the the chances of him outscoring most of those guys or or at least matching those guys is is pretty minuscule uh those are the chances that we're looking for on these short slates I don't think you're going to need Antonio Callaway as in, in min salary in a short slate like this, but it's not a bad play. Um, I'm following Vegas very closely to see what the Sharps are thinking about it because I do wonder if there's a possibility that maybe the score gets run up here. But uh, you know, last week Callaway with double digit targets. You got Baker Mayfield in there now. Uh, just talk about the a couple of receivers from that game, TJ. Uh, again, this is more uh, about leverage here, but if, if we're talking about um, defenses to target, I, I don't think that... I think Cleveland will be moderately owned because most people are pretty down on Raiders. It's, it's been pretty well documented how um, what, what's been going on with them. Their, their defensive line is horrible. There's going to be some hype around Baker Mayfield, but it's going to be hard for them to have a really high ownership percentage because of those uh, those other popular teams. But even when people that do go to to the Browns, they're going to be looking to uh, Mayfield. They're obviously going to be looking to, to Landry uh, and probably to Joker to a lesser extent. And what's probably going to fly under the radar, even on this really short slate, is that uh, Antonio Callaway had over 20% of the targets last week. And Oakland is, again, a team that I mentioned when I was talking about Baker uh, that is pretty susceptible in the secondary. So when you can get this is where there there is overlap in uh, thinking from from full slate DFS to main slate. This is a value play that I think is probably going to be pretty low owned, and and those are the, one of the situations where you just want to you kind of want to lock that guy in. And I think Callaway is that that uh, one of those skeleton keys on this short slate. Anything else you want to talk about that four o'clock slate before we get out of here? Yeah, um, I, again, I think that probably if if you're going to be looking, I, I said you want to be very aggressive with those those game and team stacks. The Cleveland and Oakland game is a game that I don't think you're going to see a lot of team stacks from. You might see uh, some some Raiders and Browns sprinkled in with with the Saints and the Giants and, and the Chargers and the 49ers, but it has an over under of 45. Uh, Oakland's defense is 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 
pretty horrible from from in, in pretty much every aspect. Uh, Cleveland's defense has played well, but that that forty five point over under with a spread of just two and a half, I think that's probably a really interesting game to at least have. Even if it's only five percent of your lineups have a decent amount of game stack exposure to, because it's going to be one of the few ways to make a a pretty unique lineup on a four game slate. Uh, Seattle, Arizona. You can make a similar argument just because they're going to be low owned, but uh, both of those offensive lines are, are pretty atrocious, so I think that could lead to a pretty ugly game. Um, maybe it, that's going to cause a, a little more, um, little higher ownership on those defenses. But I think Chargers will be the the most popular defense on this slate by by a pretty um, by a pretty big margin. All right, buddy. I want to remind everybody again: uh, if you don't have our our premium. DFS uh, subscription, get it, and you get 25% off. All you got to do is go to 444.com and use our promo code DFSMVP. And, of course, TJ, tell about the rate and review. Rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Uh, leave five stars. You'll be automatically entered to, to win a, a free 444 super soft, super comfy, super stylish T-shirt. Uh, and, again, that promo, the best thing about DFS uh, sub is that it could basically pay for itself in one week. And when those redraft teams start falling off a little bit, uh, it, it gives you a chance to, to not only recoup that redraft money but make make a lot more. Uh, so, it's it's very valuable week in and week out, even if you only play uh, a little bit each week. Doing We have a lot of subs that have, have doing really well. So make sure you check that out. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. Follow Kush at Holden Radio. This is the 